Hello, fellow perverts. I am Bastian Cross, Toronto's playful dominatrix, and this is the 100th episode of my little potty waddy, Bastian's writings and ramblings. Thank you for listening. This is crazy. Um, yeah, I have a whole list of my most listened to, my top 10 most listened to podcasts that I'm going to go over. I have a little list of my top 10 uh, favorite podcasts. And um, yeah, it's going to be really, you know, meta because it's a podcast about about podcasts. A podcast about podcasts about podcasts. Um, so let me start with my little notes. Let us start from the very beginning. Uh, so like many people, the first podcast I ever listened to was Joe Rogan. And I was thinking about it when I was doing up the notes for this episode. And, um, yeah, uh, that was 10 years ago. So I kind of did the math according to the age of my pets. And I'm like, I remember when my rabbit was really young, uh, you know, we, I lived in this place and he did this and I'm like, okay, so that makes it about 10 years. Um, so started with Joe Rogan. Literally, I remember just Googling podcasts. Um, because at that time I worked at a, I worked in a woodworking shop and so I had lots of time to listen to stuff. So I would listen to audiobooks and I would listen to music and I had heard of podcasts and I'm like, eh, might as well give it a shot. So I just Googled top podcasts and Joe Rogan was the first one that came up. So that was very much the, my introduction into, into podcasts and what was, what was interesting about that is, like, I have nothing in common with Joe Rogan, (laughs) uh, you know, I, I don't know, it was very weird, it's, like, this hunting, fighting, macho guy, and I just, I loved it, I fell in love with Joe Rogan, I was, like, I love him, I love that he's, like, masculine, but also, sensitive at the same time like it showed this kind of man that I had never really experienced in real life and um it's funny like I I, I credit Joe Rogan partially for getting me out of like man-hating um world which I ended up actually doing a podcast and a post about um called Escape from the Man-Haters Club which I'll I'll talk about more in a bit but um yeah, it was just very funny, and, and it's funny how popular he's become, and he's become this very divisive character, and, um, you know, by the time that all happened, I was long gone. I was no longer listening to to him, um, but yeah, I would say I listened to probably the first thousand episodes, so that means I've probably listened to about 3,000 hours of Joe Rogan. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I would, I learned all about like hunting. I, when I used to listen to it, I knew all these, all those MMA stuff. And, uh, I, you know, I ended up dating this guy for a bit who, who was into MMA and he was a boxer and he had trained in Thailand and all this stuff. And I knew all the MMA people. I could tell you their names. I could tell you they, you know, the groups that they fought with, where they were training, all of this stuff. And I had never actually seen an MMA fight. Uh, I just 
found it interesting to listen to. It was just kind of a peek into this world that I never had any access to before, you know? And um, especially at the beginning, Joe Rogan's interests were so varied and weird. It was just captivating, you know? Obviously, like, think think what you will of him now. Like, to be honest, for me, I, I can't listen to him anymore. He's he's just, he repeats himself so much. He doesn't get jokes, etc., etc. But even the fact that he could captivate my attention for 3,000 hours is pretty crazy. So, anyways. Um, but yeah, it just kind of introduced me to all these different worlds. And, and I would do, like, I tried keto when I listened to him. <laughs> <laughs> I tried keto, I would like try like cold showers, I read, I remember I, I read a Graham Hancock book because he was obsessed with that and um, yeah, I was very much <laughs> like in this very weird uh, fan base that, uh, you know, it's a bunch of bros, well clearly it's not a bunch of bros because he wouldn't have gotten so popular if he only appealed to one demographic but yeah I found myself in this little in this little fan base I was like okay this is weird um and then from there what happened was he would have stand-up comedian friends on and I've been a fan of stand-up comedy since I was like you know 11 I would you know watch uh started off watching mad tv and snl on you know on saturday night friday and saturday night and then I would watch Just for Laughs whenever it came on, and I was like, what? This is crazy. It's people's job to just make me laugh. Like, hell yeah. So I became obsessed with stand-up comedy, and then, you know, all these years later, when podcasting became popular, then all the comedians have this outlet, and they have this, like, side income of doing podcasts, and I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> Give it to me. Um... So, you know, shortly after that, I started working for myself. So then when you work for yourself, first of all, you have tons of time on your hands just doing nothing, you know, diddling around. I shouldn't say doing nothing, but you have a lot of time on your hands where you can listen to stuff. And you're alone, you know, so it kind of scratches that itch of uh, getting some form of interaction. And for me, as an introvert, it's kind of the ideal form of interaction because I don't have to do anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I can listen to an obscene amount of um of podcasts because you know it it fills my cup like it feels like it's very parasocial. It feels like socializing. Um it's it's the it's the equivalent of masturbating for for socializing, right? Like you're it's just a one-way thing. Like, I don't actually have to respond. I don't have to nod my head. I don't have to say something back to indicate that I was listening. You can kind of passively listen in and get all this information, you know? Get all these perspectives and peek in into all these worlds. And for me, as a chronically nosy person, <laughs> I was like, yeah give it to me, you know? So, um, yeah, I just found myself going, you know, going from Joe Rogan, he would have, say, like, Tom Segura on, 
and he would t- talk him up and be like, he's so funny, he's my opener, and like, da 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 whatever. And then Tom Segura starts a podcast, and I'd be like, okay, like, I'll check that out. And then, you know, it goes on from there, right? So then it's like, Bobby Lee, and I, and he starts a podcast, I remember him from Mad TV, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch this. So then I start listening to Tiger Belly. Um... They keep referring to Mark Maron's podcast, so then I check that out. And then, you know, it snowballs, and then each podcast that you listen to, people have guests on, and then you find all the other podcasts. Um, And, yeah, I just immediately loved the format, too, because, you know, as, as Joe Rogan says, you can't fake it for three hours, right? Like, people can fake it on the old school media that were, you know, if you're, I don't know, in your 30s or older, we're all, you know, we all remember people being on, you know, Jay Leno and Conan O'Brien and they're on there for five minutes and they tell a cute story and, you know, might do a little skit or something. They might do a monologue on SNL and everything's pretty curated and protected. So, they get to be whoever they want to be. Uh, they get to curate how they come off to people. But when the podcasting stuff started happening, it's like there really wasn't anywhere to hide. You can't really fake it for an hour. And if you can, you definitely can't fake it for three hours. Um, you get to really kind of hear and see how that person truly is at least at some points and for me that's the vulnerability that I'm always looking for in life you know vulnerability and honesty I you know but that's what I'm always talking about with my work and why I do this podcast and all the content stuff I do is because my work provides such vulnerability and and honesty from people and in its own form of like intimacy um, where everybody kind of loses the mask and is just like, I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let you get to know me. Like, I'm gonna let you get to see who I actually am. And for me, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's all I want. I'm just like, more, 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 give it to me all the time. You know, I kind of have this like unfillable desire for that kind of interaction. So, so anyways, so then I become a big fan of podcasts um, yeah, I always love stand-up. The The thing that people complain about with podcasts, people who don't like them, is that they're very, like, slow-moving, and I've never had any issue with, I don't have any issues with ebbs and flows in, in stuff, right? So my, my perspective has always been, you know, I, I very much appreciate even just the effort of trying to make me laugh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, need, you know, or, or maybe if it's a podcast not about comedy, maybe it's about just life and stuff, I'm like, yeah, it's fine, I don't have to be constantly, um, thrilled, it's all good, and there is kind of a satisfaction of sticking along with something and listening and then finding gems within it, being like, ooh, that's interesting, like, oh, okay, I haven't thought of that, or they say something really funny, and you're like, 
well, that was worth waiting for, you know, like that was worth listening to 20 minutes of kind of warming up to get to that point. You know, I, I view it all as kind of like part of the, it's part of the thing. And I don't know, I might, I might have an unusually high patience for that kind of thing because, you know, when I go on, when I go on Reddit, first of all, like my personal Reddit, you can go find my work Reddit, which I abandoned because Reddit is just so negative if you post. But on my personal Reddit, you know, that I just kind of look at on my phone, I never post anything. I'm a, I'm just a lurker. And um, when I read threads, I'll, I'll read the whole, I'll read the whole thread sometimes. Like I'll read I'll scroll through and it's like scroll, 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 scroll. It's like I read all of this. Like I read them like they're books, you know. If it's something I find interesting, I don't have any problem sitting there for two hours and reading through every single comment. Um, so I just have this absurdly high, like, listening level or something, like absorption level for other people's ideas. <laughs> and thoughts and even if they're fake like even people are people will say you know oh these are trolls or these are made up things I'm like I find that interesting as well though <laughs> like, I'm fine that's okay uh it's interesting to kind of parse through you know so I'm got a little bit of a you know perpetual sponge and I've always been that, like that and I've always every place I've ever worked I've always tried to poke 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 like not in a intrusive way like I'm fine with people's boundaries but anytime I can get any any kind of honesty or realness out of people I'm always like yeah sweet um you know it's just a predisposition I've always had and I'm fine to do the same you know obviously I'm on here blabbering every week but uh yeah so podcasts have just really scratched that itch for me um yeah also I just have these notes here and also I just have a note that's like I've always been cool to give people attention who love attention I I'm always that person that's like yeah cool I'm fine to listen to you I don't care I'll listen I'll pay attention especially if people are funny if people are funny I can like I actually have to be careful because I will put up with too much from people who make me laugh so anyways um do 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 so yeah so then what happens you know over time as a fan of of podcasts is um you do you do start noticing the ebbs and flows right so much like my clientele and the people i see um podcasts they come and go you know, I always explain to people who see me in sessions, you know, eventually you'll go away. <laughs> like, you know, eventually you'll dump me. Um, every once in a while I dump people, but usually the the relationship runs it, its course. And it's just how it works, you know. And the same, go- the same is true for podcasts. Um, it's just the way that the same is true for, like, your favorite shows, you could binge a show and absolutely love it and just be completely rabbit-holing down the, the world and, you know, think of, like, Game of Thrones, right? Something like that, and you just love it. And then, you know, 
a few years later, you're onto something else. Like, it's just how entertainment works, right? So it is a part of the structure. It is an ebb and flow thing. And um, I really enjoy listening to the podcasters that I've listened to, like, learn, right? Because everybody has ticks. <laughs> like, everybody has annoying verbal ticks or things things that are annoying for listeners. Joe Rogan, for example, he consistently kind of aggressively um, points the conversation towards the same topics over and over and over again and kind of repeats the same um, points like every uh, podcast and that's why I stopped listening because it became very formulaic and predictable and it, it no longer became enjoyable it was no longer surprising or enlightening to listen to because it's just the same the same stories the same points over and over um I remember watching one with Tom Segura on it and I don't think that um Tom Segura even talked the whole time it was just Joe Rogan talking and dominating the conversation and it was one of the last ones I listened to because I just was like okay I, I just can't listen to this anymore you know that's enough um and that would then happen with every other podcast I've ever listened to. I fall in love with them. I've become obsessed with them. You know, over 2020, I became obsessed with Tim Dillon. And I went on and happily subscribed to his highest uh, tier on Patreon because I know how it works. I'm like, yeah, in a year's time, I'm probably going to end up unsubscribing, even though I'm like in the depths of obsession right now. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I know that it's only a matter of time before some pattern emerges, emerges, some formula emerges, and my brain just goes, eh, maybe let's move on, you know? Um, and so it's, it's interesting. That's interesting. And um, what's also interesting is listening to people learn, listening to podcasters learn how to podcast because it is... A combination of honesty and effort you know it is nice to le like abandon a podcast for me I'm just thinking of your mom's house where I just abandoned it for a few years I didn't like it anymore I was like eh, it's they're kind of doing the same shtick over and over like I don't like it and then check in a couple years later and they've actually rectified some of those patterns, some of those like bad habits, they clearly listened to comments, they listened to the audience, they maybe watched their stuff back, something happened where they actually fixed it. And then I was like, this is awesome. And now I can watch it again. Um, you know, and it's, it's a, I know it's painful for, for the people who put the content out because I've listened to a bazillion hours of people doing it and the same patterns always emerge right it's it's like self-doubt like uh, do you guys like this like what's going on and then negative feedback and then that affects you weirdly and then you know it's just this very vulnerable one-sided kind of unnatural way of communicating and uh 
it's it's lopsided and odd and it should make you feel uncomfortable as the person putting things out there at some point you should have questions like what am I doing why am I doing this you know why do I feel the need to talk for hours and hours without anyone responding you know uh does anybody care about this am I just talking to myself what the fuck is the point of this like do we need segments do we need blah 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 whatever I've watched this and been fascinated from afar for you know for years for 10 years um what's interesting is I am generally not a person who is in any way driven to perform or get attention which is odd because I'm essentially an adult entertainer (laughs) so the fact that I found myself in in like a performative like entertainment uh place is I'm the most surprised of anybody uh I spent my whole entire life behind the scenes you know in in every way so when I worked in restaurants I was like I'll work in the kitchen I don't even want to be a server I was like no no I'll, I'll work in the back you know um then I went into carpentry and I just existed on work sites and in wood shops and so just and I was more than happy to do that. Um yeah, when I was even like when I was in school when I worked on uh like m- musical I would work on musical stuff um you know for theater for the high school theater stuff I always was like I don't want to be in the play. I want to be, I would do like set design and costume design and all of that. Like I actually have really bad uh, performance anxiety. So like I can, like I've almost fainted from <laughs> from <laughs> trying to do uh, like public speaking and stuff. It's really, truly not, not, it, it's like a nightmare. <laughs> it is like a fucking nightmare. So what's interesting about doing this podcast and doing any of this my content um is that it's it's very much kind of an anomaly for me um oh yeah I should mention too even social media before so in my personal life my social media like I could I was just like I don't get it I I would struggle to understand what the point was like I just didn't get it I would put up like a picture of like I tried and I would always be like yeah I guess I should try and I would get like three likes and I just be like I just I don't understand what this is for you know and um yeah so femdom very much became an an exception for me it you know having that question of like why am I doing this what is the purpose of this like why am I putting up a selfie on my personal account like I you know oh we gotta get some likes from some perverts who used to have crushes on me in high school or something like okay great I don't get it is probably a good thing right it is a good thought to have ultimately and um I think that's why doing this podcast and doing any of the other content creation that I do, my YouTube channel or anything like that, it's equally, um, it's equal parts 
hard for me because I do have that performance anxiety. I do have that voice in my head going like, why are you, why are you talking? <laughs> like, what do you, why do you want attention? Like, what are you doing? Um, but then there is the, that out, the outweighing thing that takes over, that takes precedence, which is, I find this stuff really important. I feel really compelled to talk about this stuff. And it's not because I feel compelled, you know, to just get attention because I absolutely don't and I never have. It's because this, this stuff that I'm talking about is super, super important to me and really interesting. And I really needed a format that I could quickly get, I could quickly articulate these, you know, findings and revelations and thoughts and ideas um, that I could kind of consistently and sustainably keep up with. It needed to be low maintenance enough that it's not a book, it's not a blog post, you know, it's not clips. All those, those things are great for expressing, uh, they, they all kind of unite to create a full picture for me of like ways of expressing stuff within Femdom and BDSM. Um, but the podcast for me was really the missing piece, the glue of everything of like how I can just as a person explain everything and you can hear my voice, you can hear what I'm excited about. You know, like, so much is lost by text. If I were to write this in a blog, it becomes sterilized, which for certain topics is better, you know? for If they're more informative, that's probably better. Um, but this is the in-between. This is everything else, and I am so fascinated with this topic, and there's always new information coming in. And for me, that's what this podcast is, is very much like a catch-all for all the other stuff that I know has value. I know that this information is important because I talk to people in real life about it all the time. I talk to people in sessions about stuff every week, you know, and I, themes come up, subjects come up over and over and over again. And that's very much what informs or, or what informs what I talk about on here is like if something keeps coming up over and over and I keep having the same conversation with different people, to me, I'm like, okay, that's worth talking about on the podcast, you know, because somebody listening is going to be affected by that positively, right? And um, yeah, it's just my kind of weird way of like, paying it back because I learned I learned so much through all the hours of podcasts that I listened to and you know I was such a sponge and I was such a little lurker and like a little you know I wouldn't comment I wouldn't I wouldn't like anything I wasn't giving anything back you know for a long time I wasn't on anybody's Patreon I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't paying for anything I was just a little moocher taking in all this juicy, juicy, valuable, um, you know, human, human fuel. That sounds weird, but like, I'm just (laughs) taking in all this really valuable information. And this is kind of my weird way of being like, okay, 
this is a topic that I can actually offer something back. Um, it's not just me going like, hey guys, I had eggs benedict for breakfast. Mm, like, I took my dogs out. Like, to me, I don't understand stuff like that. Not to, not to say that it doesn't have value, but it's not my lane. It's not something that I understand the value of and therefore I can't do it. Um, but within something as heavy as like sexual shame, oh my God, I could talk about it all day, you know? And I, I think I'm very compelled to, I'm, I'm compelled to help people as weird as that sounds, but I'm compelled to provide the background information that people need in order to feel understood and feel acceptable because I just constantly see people that are afraid of being rejected, you know? And so I'd say this and the YouTube channel are both my little ways of being like, you you might not be able to afford coming into a session with me or, or anybody else. It's really expensive, but this is my little, you know, pervy community service where I'm like, I can at least give you a level of understanding and acceptance. I can give you a level of like camaraderie and feeling of, you know, basically the feeling that maybe the BDSM community would give you if you had access to it or if you were in it. Um, or maybe just information that helps you connect dots that you wouldn't have, inf like how would you have access to that? You know, that's a lot of the stuff that I, that I come up with it's because of the weird position that I'm in, you know? So anyways, so I think that's my, basically my whole, yeah, my, my whole spiel all about that. Let's see. Oh my goodness. Half an hour. Woo. Just on the background of why I like podcasts. There you go. Um, also I will say before I launch into the top tens, um, realistically when I was thinking about doing this podcast and doing up my notes and kind of figuring out what I you know every just figuring out everything and kind of having that little moment of wow this is a hundred episodes this is crazy like I started out with zero people listening I started out when I would record podcasts I would I'd probably delete the first five iterations and <laughs> Like, you don't even know how many are just sitting on my desktop because I'm like, I don't know, is this good, you know? And how many I just listened to and deleted because I was like, I sound weird. Or just not knowing how to do it, you know? The beginning part of the learning curve. And now it is cool. I can just record this like this. I'm not going to edit at all, you know? But most of the podcasts that I've recorded in the last, you know, few months, like I'd say pretty much all of 2022, I just do one take. And the only thing I cut out is just sometimes I'll take breaks. Like say my dog comes in and starts making a bunch of noise. I'll just kind of stop and wait for him to be quiet. And then I'll just continue. And then afterwards I cut that out and I give it one listen and I do up my notes and then I'm good to go which is a huge improvement from when I first started because I just was like, is this okay? I would get my partner to listen to it. I would send it to friends and be like, do I sound like a fucking idiot? Like, 
is this? Like, what am I doing? You know? And then now, a hundred episodes later, when I, when I answer that question, like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Um, it's realistically, the real answer for me is this is a, I realize that I am making and I have been making the podcast that I needed to hear when I first started. It's really a podcast for my past self, you know, it's all this stuff in femdom that I've never heard anybody talk about, you know, it's all these weird details, it's, it's being honest about things that people aren't usually honest about, um, giving details about topics that people usually like to keep vague, um, yeah, it's just, it's just being vulnerable, being real, you know, being like, hey, no need to, uh, I don't need to keep you in the dark, I don't need to manipulate this situation in any way, I can just let you know what's up, and you make your decision, you know, you decide what's best for you, if you're like, fuck that, I don't like it, like, for me to just have the confidence to go, okay, well, that's up to you then, right, this is the way that I see it, and it's really none of my business what you think of that, like, either do with it what you will, you know, um, and so, yeah, I'd say that's pretty much the last, the last conclusion that I have is just, this is the podcast that I would have loved to have found when I first started, you know, um, and in, not to get sappy, but in many ways, when I think of my, you know, creation of Bastien as my, like, Dom character or whatever, as I've gone along, that's what I really did, is I, I kept trying to find somebody who was, you know, what I wanted to be. I wanted, I wanted to find that Dom who could tell me these things honestly and, um, you know, and help and be, be strong in the ways that I think are respectable and, um, be this really specific combination of, of traits that, that I, that I wanted to see and I just couldn't find it anywhere. And then I realized I'm like, that's your job. (laughs) Like if you, then you do it, (laughs) you be those things. Like it, it's not anybody else's job to fill those fill those boots for you you're a full-grown lady like do it yourself right so and as soon as I started being myself and and I stopped trying to fit in and I stopped trying to you know look around at other doms and kind of just go with the flow and be in the crowd and I just kind of stepped into my own and accepted that I was just gonna be alone in my way of doing things that's when I started getting really successful and it was really, really satisfying because I didn't know if it was going to be very bad. You know, it was a real risk. I thought I might not be able to do this job anymore because I'm really stepping out into this weird no man's land that I haven't really seen anybody else do. And um, it worked, you know, and it worked partially because of you babies. And uh, I, one of the biggest forms of feedback that I get about the podcast is people in sessions, you know, I, other than the spank bank stories, I don't get a lot of feedback from you guys, even though I'm like, oh, respond, respond, (laughs) everybody, uh, this is my karma, because I never respond to anybody either, if I list a podcast and they're like, oh, say something in the comments, I'm like, nope, won't be doing that, 
unless Silencio when I'm consuming content. But, um, yeah, but in sessions, people will bring up podcasts, and it's really cool. I really like it. And in a way, that's probably the best way to hear about it, you know? So, okay, that's enough. That is enough. 36 minutes. Okay, so the top 10 most listened to podcasts. Let's go backwards. Actually, no, we'll go one, we'll go one through ten. Um, the first one is, oh, and I will say, when you look at my top podcasts in the Substack, like on the Substack website, so it's bastian.substack.com, um, the way that they list my top, um, my most listened to podcasts is different than it shows me on the back end, because I can actually see the number of downloads, and, I don't know why it populates differently on the site. Um, like, it, it, conti- it consistently says that every day is Taco Tuesday is my number one. And it's not. Like, I can see the numbers. They're kind of similar. I don't, I'm not sure how they're making that list, but whatever. Anyways, okay. So the number one most viewed or most listened to podcast on here is What I Expect of You in a Session which is not in any way surprising. Um, They're all behind a paywall now, so, you know, that'll probably shift over time. But it's stuff like this and, like, my Twitter and my YouTube. For a lot of people, I'd say for the vast majority of people, it's really just a way to verify or validate that I'm a real person. Um, There are a lot of doms, and there's a lot of people just generally online who are, you know, scammy, and, you know, I'm wary too, if I, if I'm gonna go to a chiropractor or something, I'm like, okay, let's look at the reviews, you know, I, especially if you're sending a deposit or something, it's like, okay, I want to know that this is a real person, they have a presence, they're consistently updating their website, you know, it's, it's not posts from 2012, stuff like that, right? So, not surprising to me, what I expect of you in a session is the most most listened to podcast. The second most listened to is It's Me, Peggy Fundy, a guide about how to get pegged. Not surprising. Super popular, um, super popular kink. One of my most requested in sessions, so not shocked with that. Uh, number three. Interview with Aspasia the Great. That is amazing. Also, not surprising at all that that would be one of the most listened to. Um, Aspasia has been a dominatrix for 10 years longer uh, than I have. <laughs> and every time that I talk to her, I it's super enlightening. Like, I'm like, holy shit. You know, I'll, I'll be like, hey, I, I figured this out. Like, I'm thinking about whatever my, my revelation is, and she's like, yeah, and, and this, too, she'll just, like, add an extra, <laughs> she's, like, been, ever, she's been there before, which is amazing, and super, super nice to have, and, um, yeah, having, having her on here was amazing, and, you know, I do duos with her, and, um, doing the, doing the podcast with her, doing the interview with her, also, she has one on her, I think she has a couple 
um, with me and her on her podcast, aspasiathegreat.substack.com. Um, yeah, was the beginning of something awesome, which I'll talk about, you know, I'll talk about more at the very end. So, number four most, most listened to podcast, what is Lifestyle Femdom and why it almost doesn't fucking matter. So, let me see here. Open the link. Here we are. So, this is me being a little salty. <laughs> I've gotten a lot of this stuff uh, out of my system now, but yeah, when I first started this, uh, yeah, so this was pretty much at the beginning, yeah. When I first started this podcast, I, I was very much, I was very bitter because I had been misled, you know, like everybody in every industry, there's, you can't trust everybody and whatever. So there, there's always this, like, this kind of, I would say, false hierarchy in any industry. And, um, in femdom in particular, there's quite a few, and, and I'm going to cover a couple in the next, like, top, top listen to potties. But it, I became very disillusioned because there's certain things that you're kind of told by the overall zeitgeist of the industry are important. And then with time, I found that they're not actually important. And some of them are actually really, um, like, detrimental, and they mislead you completely, which I was very annoyed with, you know? <laughs> so I I did a series of posts where I was just like, you know what, fuck it, I'm just going to be completely honest and talk about, <laughs> talk about this stuff. Um, and so in this post called What is Lifestyle Femdom and Why It Almost Fucking Doesn't Matter... I'm talking about the hierarchy thing where lifestyle femdom is sometimes positioned above professional femdom. And um, there was, you know, there's a trend. There might still be. I don't know. I don't look at other people's content anymore. But there was this trend of, like, saying, like, I'm a lifestyle femdom as kind of a brag or as kind of a way of saying, like, I'm elevated. You know, I, not only do I do it for money, I do it in my personal life. And it, it is a way of saying I'm quote unquote real, you know? And as you go through BDSM and as you go through Femdom, most people discover with time, maybe five years in, you realize like, oh, there's a million of these, you know? It's, it's almost like high school where it's like, all the kids wearing the Gap shirts, and if you don't have a Gap shirt, you know, you're poor and dirty or something, and you just need a little perspective in order to see that it's all foolishness. It doesn't matter. Every person is different. Everybody likes different things for different reasons. The whole point of the community is to have a place where you can be yourself and you can just do what you like. And just be genuine and authentic to your actual desires. So kind of creating this like hierarchy of, of like, you know, masochists are better than non-masochists. Or lifestyle femdom is better than professional femdom. 
or, you know, non-fetishists are better than fetishists, um, etc., etc. It just goes on and on and on. It never, ever ends. And the only way to get out of it is to see, see it and just reject it and just say, that's silly. You know, that's some, that's some juvenile horseshit. Um, nobody's better than anybody else. It just, it's all subjective. It just comes down to preference, right? Um, so that one, and then the next one, number five, Cox with ADHD. So that's a good one. Um, that is a post I did about this, this thing I started noticing, I think it was in 2021. So it seemed to get really bad after the lockdowns, um, where people could not be present in their kinks. Um, I was, I was getting like a slew of people who just, you know, I'd be, they'd ask for pegging and maybe face sitting and bondage. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Um, and then we start to do the pegging and they'd be like, uh, you know what, actually, do you mind if we, like, can we just get like, maybe we'll just try like some, a different position. And I'm like, okay, okay. And you know, this stuff is a dance. So it's not that you can't ask for different things, but it's like, how many things are you going to ask for? Like, at what point are you going to stay and experience what's happening? And if you keep asking for switch, 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 I'm like, hey, something's wrong here. Like, we need to be talking about paying attention, you know, and talking about attention span in sexuality because, you know, I wrote a blog post called The Hedonic Treadmill of Kink, where it's just like, listen, it's never going to be enough unless you learn how to actually slow down and enjoy things. It's just going to be like, oh, I want to do a dominatrix session. Okay, next time I want it to be harder. Okay, next time I want you to bring a friend. Okay, next time I want it to be a group one. Okay, I want next time I want six doms. Next time I want them to do this. It's like, are you even enjoying any of this? <laughs> like, or are you just like uh, running amok, you know? Because I've seen lots of people like that who, sure, they're they're great masochists, but I don't know. They don't give me any kind of a feeling. They they seem very uh, checked out. They seem very detached. And um, what's the point? You know, learn how to enjoy things. You know. The next one, number six. Let's talk about money, honey. So I think I've done like a bazillion posts on this by now. But when I originally did this post, and um, I did one on my website as well about this, it was a very salacious feeling. That's another thing I kind of look for in these posts is it should make me uncomfortable. Like that's a little bit of a low-key goal for me is if I'm just putting stuff up and I don't have a feeling one way or the other about it, I mean, that's fine. That happens. That's all good. But... It should be a little bit like, you know, like it should have a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of excitement attached to it. Um, and that was one, this post was one of the, the craziest ones for me. It gave me a huge feeling of like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Um, because the truth is that the doms don't make that much money generally. Uh, it's literally a side job for people. And I wouldn't mind 
keeping up the illusion that we're all millionaires if it didn't truly fuck people over you know it it do, it literally doesn't benefit anyone you know like it it's not it doesn't it doesn't help the doms and it doesn't help the subs so i'm like i don't know what this i don't know who this is for um and so just talking about it honestly is so much better in my opinion and saying yeah for most people this it's like yeah you know, it's like the only fan fans people like yeah there's the top five percent of creators who make a crazy amount of money um but most people are just doing it as a little side hustle and what the hell's wrong with that you know and also if it's a side hustle you're not going to get burnt out you're probably going to get higher quality sessions or videos or whatever because the person isn't completely tapped out they're not doing 20 clips in a row in a day like they're not doing five sessions in a row just completely fucking dissociated from all desire or you know any kind of will to enjoy themselves it's actually better if the person does it as a side job and this whole weird obsession with doms making tons of money and then the the subs feeling like obligated to buy gifts and yeah so that that post talks all about that it's old news now I've talked about it a ton but when I first put that out I was like I was scared I literally thought I'm like I don't know if some of these posts are going to get me in trouble with other doms like I don't know if I'm going to get people you know messaging me being like um what are you doing (laughs) you know like what the fuck dude um but as per the usual, nobody cares. It's just all in my head. So, <laughs> um, also there is the the part of me as well that, you know, I'm sure some of you listening are turds. You know, some of you are assholes who I wouldn't like or whatever. But I know that some of you who are listening are sweet muffins. And it really helps to hear some of this stuff. You know, so if I get some negative combat, uh, com- you know, feedback from some turds, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Because I know those muffins are listening, you know. And I know that because I hear about it in session and people will say, thank you, that really helped me. You know, I never heard anybody talk about that before. And that made me realize, like, like it's okay for me to only see a dom once a year if I can't afford it. Um, just stuff like that where I'm like, mission accomplished. Sweet. Um, and all, and just, of course, I can't leave the money thing alone. Also for doms too, if there's doms listening, to just get that alleviation that people have given me before. Like, I've met some of, like, some crazy, crazy successful doms who have, who have been really nice and honest with me and told me numbers, right? And told me what they're actually making and all this stuff and I've been like oh my god thank god (laughs) you know like it's just nice to know what's going on and get an honest you know not a marketing perspective but a real perspective on it and the allevi huge alleviation from that of being like oh my god thank you so much for telling me that you know so I want to extend it okay so number seven every day is taco tuesday so Oh, I hope you can hear. It sounds like it, it sounds like my freezer is farting. So I'm in the basement, and the deep freeze is pretty close to me. Anyways, okay. Anyways, okay. So n- number seven, 
um, most listened to podcasts over the last two years. Uh, number seven, every day is Taco Tuesday. So when I was younger, I thought I was a lesbian and getting into sex work and doing domination, I never got any female clients until I realized that I had to explicitly say, I'm gay as hell. <laughs> I just, it never even occurred to me that I would have to actually say that. I just assumed, okay, women just don't pay for this stuff. And then I met other doms and talked to them and they were like, yeah, I have lots of female clients. And I was like, what the fuck? No fair. So then I started putting it out there. That post was one of them. I, it's probably mostly dudes listening to it, but still. Anyways. Number eight. Attack of the Copy Kittens. This one is a real, this was another really important one. Um, like everybody in a creative field, I have had to deal with copying. Uh, listening to stand-up comedians podcasts really helped me with this. But... I, I never, I, I had never heard anybody talk publicly about the rampant, rampant plagiarism that happens in femdom and BDSM. I have had people who work in the same market as me, in the same area, um, literally take my blog posts and put them on their blog. Um, I have had continuously I've had to change my tagline because other people start using it uh you know so right now it's Toronto's playful dominatrix I have no idea somebody else could be using that too uh I know for a fact when I when I when I chose that one at that time I was still looking at other people's content so I know it wasn't being used but it could be now and to be honest I don't even care anymore I'm like whatever um I've seen several providers that I've been friends with have their names taken. (laughs) (laughs) I accidentally saw one the other day and it was a dom who I recognized who I I used to know and I thought oh my goodness crazy that's a little different and I clicked on the profile it wasn't even her and it's still somebody here in Toronto like it's not even like they're in Vancouver because it wouldn't really matter. It'd be weird but wouldn't really matter but it's like you're in the same city it's just it's just, it's, it's literally like barracuda, you know, behavior. It's, it, it serves nobody. It's very weird. It's lack of business acumen, lack of creativity. It just totally, um, see it and grab it, you know, kind of, kind of thing. And it, it shoots both people in the, in the foot and just causes confusion. And people are like, well, wait, who is this person? Oh, Oh, this is a different lady. Okay. Um, I've had, I don't know, stuff like the word. We're far enough in the podcast. I'll be real. I'll be real with you. I do my own search engine optimization. And I noticed that nobody was using, nobody was uh, marketing themselves as safe. And I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. That is awesome. Same with casual, um, fun, like that kind of thing, but particularly the word safe. And um, I also kind of chose a few little leftover kinks that other people didn't want, like ABDL, Wham, Wedgies, 
fart fetish, stuff that people didn't want to do because it was viewed as juvenile and, you know, stupid or whatever. And I was like, oh my god, this is so up my lane. This is great. I'll just go over here in this place where nobody really has any interest. And then as I started having success, I, I started noticing that everybody started following with words like safe and casual and fun and... You know, and at a certain point, I realized I have to stop looking at other people's content because why? You know, I've, I've learned what I've learned. I've, I've made the friends I need to make. I, I'm good, and it's now no, it's no longer healthy for me to be looking at this stuff because I started seeing my, <laughs> my influence and my, sometimes my actual content on other people's, um, you know, social media and, and sites and stuff, and, and I just thought you know what, I'm doing great over here, I got what I need, fine, you know, and I, it took me a little while, I was very not happy about it for a bit, but I learned a very valuable lesson, and it's just basically like, as long as you are taken care of, it's all good, what other people do is their business, you know, um, I have seen people become very successful doing this with my, my stuff and other people's stuff, and again, I'm like, it's not my life, you know, it's not my business, I, I'm not gonna pursue it legally, I don't even think I could, and therefore, that's it, like, what am I gonna do, uh, that's up to them, and I really did start to understand and accept and be like, that old adage, flattery is the best, is the sincerest, or, uh, flattery, um, what is it, plagiarism is the sincerest form of flattery and I was like you know what that's true because I remember a time when my website was on the 17th page of Google (laughs) people didn't even know my freaking name you know and so the fact that I've had enough influence to actually see changes like that in other other people's marketing it's like I finally finally gotten to the point where it no longer upsets me and I just go sweet that's a good thing you know, that means they're, that means that I matter in some way. That means that I'm viewed as successful, I guess, right? But, whew, it was tough for a bit. And um, I did have a couple of people reach out and say, yeah, that happened to me in my industry. Like, obviously completely unrelated to my industry. But, um, yeah, I had a few people reach out and say, that's really crazy. Because that actually happened to me at work. Where one of my coworkers was taking things I had emailed them like, ideas and stuff we're supposed to work on together and started submitting them as, as their work, you know, and it's pervasive, it's a, it's pervasive as hell, it's not, you know, it's, it's every, like, businesses who patent their stuff, they, that's why they patent it, it's part of business because people copy each other, it's just human nature, you know, I happen to be obsessed with, like, not doing that, so for me, it's perplexing, because I think if you're a creative person, the last thing you want, the most mortifying thing on the planet is for somebody to think that you copied somebody else or you copied them. Like, to me, I would never be able to show my face again. I would be like, oh my god, I've reached out to people. I reached out to Aspasia and and talked to her. One of the first things I talked to her about when I met her was I was like, I'm not copying you, I swear to god. Like, you and I have had a similar ideas and you had yours before me, but I didn't, like, I didn't know. 
And then people would tell me and I was like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't think I'm copying her because it just, it's so mortifying if you're a creative person. It would be so embarrassing. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not copying you. And she was like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, but that for me, I think that's why I wrote that. And like, you know, it was very confusing to me. I was like, how is that? How do you have no shame? I can see you. That was always my thing. I'm like, we can all see like it's it's not like you're doing this behind closed doors it's like publicly available so but people gonna people that's why i'm picky with who i fucking chill with um number nine uh, where, where are we at for time we've got to be at 40 million oh my god over an hour okay i'll try to fly i knew this would happen oh number nine i put the fun in erectile dysfunction so Erectile dysfunction is a thing for dudes of all ages. I see it all the time. It's very normal. So I just decided to do a post about it. I was like, oh, this is perfect. You know, checks all the boxes for posts I like to do. Something people don't talk about. Something that matters. It involves sexual shame in some form. I have all the information that you need in order to feel better. So that's a post all about that. And I got a lot of feedback on that one. That was one that I kept hearing about, you know, and I still hear about where people are like, thank you for talking about that. That made me feel way better. You know, every single person that comes to me in sessions is like, oh, I'm sorry, my dick might do X, Y, Z. I'm like, this is normal. You realize that, right? I'm like, no, it's like, no, this is everybody's dick. (laughs) Your dick is not special. Um, And then number 10, the truth about real doms and subs. So this is one of those themes, again, where there's this hierarchy um, of, of goodness and realness. And the word real is, you know, a triggering, a triggering thing in BDSM because there is no real. It's, it's all subjective. So it really just means real to you. You know, it's the same as saying a musician is the real deal. I guarantee I can find you a ton of people who disagree, right? It's just, it's always to you. It, it just means you like it. Um, and, you know, there's just a lot of garbage out there about being a real dom, being a real sub. Particularly if you're new, it's really important to have somebody, you know, the, the more experienced people in BDSM just saying it over and over and over again and just saying... This is subjective. This is up to you. Don't ever let anybody come in and tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing here. You know, you're putting yourself out there, whether you're a dom, whether you're a sub, you know, this is vulnerable stuff. You definitely don't need people coercing you into giving the money or doing things you're uncomfortable with or feeling pressured to do, you know, quote unquote, a good job in some way. Again, for doms or for subs. You know, if you're not comfortable wearing something, don't wear it. If you're not comfortable getting naked, don't do it. If you're not comfortable doing an act, don't do it. If you're not comfortable booking, don't do it. Just, it's completely up to you, right? There is no real. Um, okay, let me speed through my podcasts, my favorite podcasts. I also have to pee, which is kind of a good incentive to hurry up. Um, number one, actually I'll do mine backwards. Number ten. This one is a rant. 
and it's called Femdom for People Who Hate Femdom, <laughs> which is low-key, we're, we're an hour in, so now we get to secret time, which is low-key my tagline for my business. <laughs> femdom for People Who Hate Femdom. Uh, obviously, I love Femdom in its most basic understanding, which is a f female domination. Um, but all the accoutrements, all the expectations, all the tropes and the archetypes and the garbage and crazy shit that, you know, we have to kind of deprogram ourselves from, I'm, I'm very much resentful against all of that stuff. Uh, for doms or for subs, the people who are disappointed because I don't dress like a dom, you know, the people who are disappointed because I don't you know, memorize the the usual femdom rhetoric and repeat it back to them. Hello, slave. You know, what have you done for me lately? Um, you haven't brought me any gifts? Well, in that case, get on your knees and kiss my feet. And um, it's like, hey, could I be a person? <laughs> like, I'll let you be a person if I can be a person. That'd be nice. Um, so that's a rant about that. Uh, nine, BDSM love story. So this is the story of how I met my lifestyle partner. He is my uh, submissive. He, I met him in a ball busting session and I've been together with him for almost five years. He's the love of my life. He's great. Um, yeah. Uh, and that one's very cute. That's one of the, I think that's one of two podcasts where I essentially start crying like I'm not like full-on like <gasps> but I get emotional it would be funny if I just cried everybody <laughs> um number eight smothering and service topping so this is one of my favorite podcasts because service topping in particular is a dirty dirty word in in BDSM service topping is the uh opposite of power bottoming, which is also a dirty word. Um, so basically service topping is topping or dominating in service to the submissive. And service topping is a part of, well, I mean, it basically is professional domination. If you're being paid to do something, you are service topping. And it's also a part of lifestyle domination, at least in part. You know, so I coach couples as well, and I've coached women who are learning how to dominate their male partners, and I've had to kind of explain to them or deprogram them out of the usual rhetoric, which is, you know, the woman, if she's really in charge, you know, does anything and everything she wants, and what the man wants is always secondary, and I'm like, that's the fantasy version, yes, but in actual real life, it's very much the opposite. It's the submissive who is dictating almost everything that's happening. And I know this because I do it as a job. <laughs> I've tried everything. I also have a lifestyle partner who I do lots of stuff with, and it's a symbiotic relationship. It's very complicated, and we are usually service-topping. And... Uh, it's fine. It's beautiful and wonderful and lovely. And if you're good at it, you can get what you want as well. 
you know, there's, it just takes time and effort and mental flexibility. And that's what makes it fun and worth learning how to do. Um, so that's one of my favorites. And it's actually growing too. The, that one's getting more and more listens, which is surprising. Because it's, I just put that up in the last couple months and I saw it getting up there. It might be like number 11 or number 12 for most listened to. So that's interesting. Um, number seven, the gayest fetishes of all. So that is talking about heterosexual men who fetishize homosexuality. And it's very common and basically just talking about how you're not necessarily gay if you're interested in cuckolding or forced by or things like that. Um, it, it's all using taboos as a way to get from A to B. So if, if uh, homosexuality is the taboo for you, then it's gonna start fetishizing um, homosexuality and just talking about that. And I got a lot of feedback about that one. People were like, wow, thank, again, thank you for talking about that. You know, that made me feel better. I, I'm into XYZ, but I'm like actually straight and I don't want to have sex with dudes. It's just this one like weird anomaly kind of fantasy. So, you know, just fun talking about that kind of in the weeds, behind the scenes, weird stuff, right? Between the lines stuff. Number six of my favorite podcasts, Escape from the Man Haters Club. Yeah, this was a this was a cool one for me to do because I come from a really feminist family of completely all women. I only have one uncle and he's like never around and everybody else is women. Cousins, aunts, my mom, grandmother, that's it. So, um I was raised super feminist. I had kind of developed a bias or prejudice against men as an adult. I think partially at the end of working construction. I think that's where it really got really bad. And um, going into sex work, I think exacerbated it for a bit. And then I had this revelation, you know, I know enough about bigotry to know that it's, it's always wrong, basically. Like, it always presents itself as the truth. It always seems like it's the truth. It's like, no, but it's true. This one's different. This one's true. So I knew enough logically to know that I was wrong. I just had to work myself out of it. And um, working in sex work and meeting some crazy doms (laughs) and seeing how women can be just as abusive and just as um, manipulative and objectifying as men maybe in different, in slightly different ways, helped me stop doing that. And it cured my bias against men completely and has ever since. And, um, yeah, it was just very weird. Like, doing domination and uh, dominating mostly men was the thing that stopped my prejudice against men. So that post was interesting to do. That one felt very vulnerable as well. And... I'm super honest in that one. That's a that's an interesting one to listen to. So that's number six. Number five of my favorite podcasts. I keep the wolf from the door. This is a podcast about. This is a post about one of the most important uh, subs that I ever had. Uh, it was a, a, a personal example 
of somebody basically like an abusive relationship within BDSM and I wanted to talk about this one in particular because it was an example of the sub being abusive with the dom. Um, so there's lots of people in BDSM who, who purposely prey on inexperienced people because they can take advantage of them. You know, there's, there's headmistresses that own dungeons that, you know, continuously have new doms working there because they know that those people don't know what they're doing. Uh, there's doms who always want, you know, inexperienced subs. Like, that's a big thing with male subs in the lifestyle scene. Male subs looking for, you know, new, completely inexperienced female, uh, female subs. Or, sorry, male doms looking for inexperienced female subs. Um, I just watched the documentary on Army Hammer called House of Hammer. I watched it on Discovery. And it was just essentially that, where he was calling a lot of his his abusive behaviors, it was labeling it as BDSM and, like, saying, like, I can teach you how to do it. And, um, you know. Anyways, so I talk about this stuff a lot. I think a lot of people in BDSM talk about this openly. But I thought in this post called I Keep the Wolf from the Door that it was an interesting story because because it's a male sub with a female dom, and also it's personal, so I can actually tell it, not in theory, but actually tell it from my perspective, and I read some emails, um, from him, and, you know, just to demonstrate what it actually sounds like, and how it slowly evolves, and, you know, I think I talk about in that post, like, it isn't necessarily any key phrase, Nobody who is abusive is going to be like, hello, I'm abusive. <laughs> Would you like some abuse? You know, it's always going to happen slowly and to just always be aware of how that person makes you feel. If they make you feel uncomfortable and they make you, you know, if you get a little anxiety or jump whenever you see their name come up on your phone, just take a beat and ask yourself why. Is it because you're excited to hear from them, or is there something else going on? Like, is this person making you feel uncomfortable on purpose, like trying to get you to jump through hoops, trying to mold you into something that you're not, you know? So always take your time, always keep your eyes open. And um, the name I Keep the Wolf from the Door is um, it's uh, the title of a painting that I bought for myself when I got my studio. Uh, for work, and it's a picture of a woman, and she has a melting face, and she's got white eyes, and I have it painted, I have it pointed towards my door, it's very ominous looking, but it represents me watching and defending my boundaries, and this is the client that, that made me realize that that was a thing, you know, and it was really, it was painful, but it was important, because I was trying to do a good job for this person and they kept rejecting it and manipulating me and pushing me and making me feel like I needed to be trained and all of this stuff, you know, and I felt weird and I stood up for myself and I said, no, I think it's you. I think you need to go find somebody else. Like, it's not a me thing, but it's you. Anyways, uh, number four is next level submission. And 
that is just me kind of talking about how some of the marketing in femdom can be uh, deceptive, right? It's a little bit like a snake oil vibe because next level submission is something you have to discover for yourself and it's really only you who can um, articulate what that means to you. So any dom that's like, you know, I offer something that nobody else can offer. It's like, yeah, maybe, maybe you do. Like, to just always keep that in mind. Like, that's kind of like dirty talk. And if you're paying for it, to just have that understanding, you know, and uh, always keep your little papers open. Number three for me is Attack of the Copy Kittens. That was a really big deal for me. I already talked about that. Number two, Behind the Curtain. So this is my industry opus. This is like everything I've learned um, about professional BDSM. And it was supposed to go on my website originally. And I couldn't do it. It was too vulnerable, so I stuck it behind the paywall on here. Um, it just talks about... You know, a lot of the deception and the blurred lines um, that happen for doms and for subs within professional BDSM. And I just, I just completely go off and tell all the, all the little juicy secrets of everything I've learned and kind of, I don't know. I just talk about, yeah, I just, it's behind the curtain. Like, here's, here's the real deal from my perspective. Everything that I've wanted to say about this industry, everything that to avoid, you know, a little cheat sheet. And then number one, my number one favorite podcast is a fun house called Control. So I love learning about control dynamics or power dynamics. And I had this revelation that um, some of the frustrations or confusion that I was feeling with submissives kind of like, why, you know, like, why am I getting so much pushback uh, on what I, what I see as kind of simple things within submission? Um, I'm not even sexually submissive, but I can be more sexually submissive than some of the submissive people I see, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just intuitively am like, oh, okay, yeah, I know how to do that. Like, but I see people who cannot give up control, and I just had this realization, I'm like, that's exactly what's up. That is exactly why they're here, is because they cannot give up control. They don't know how. And, you know, for me, a person who knows how to give up control, it, it's not surprising that I wouldn't be interested in being sexually submissive, because I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> like, it's nothing new to me. The people who are interested in it are, of course the people who don't have actual access to it. It's a taboo. It's a fantasy. It's... It, belly. My God, my belly. I know that's picking up because I recorded one the other day and I listened to it. And Anyways, hopefully you guys have stomach grumbling fetishes. So, yeah, I just had this revelation. I'm like, it's all about control and we're equal. Um, you know we're 
equally controlling and we're equally giving and taking and that's the dynamic that I've been chasing this whole time where I've been so fascinated by my behavior, by other people's behavior. It was something I couldn't really put my finger on for the longest time and then I just kind of had this huge revelation and I was like, oh my god, I get it. You know, so that is a big one. And then I had another huge revelation recently about I haven't done a post about this. I think I'm going to write a little mini book, but basically just about the forms that, like, the paths that submission takes and why they're so different and what the unifying, what the unifying forces are and how most of our sexuality and our kinks and taboos are related to us being social, right? Most of them are social kinks about the social hierarchy and playing within that. And the taboos of that. And that one gave me, that one made my brain explode too. So, anyways, that's all the posts. This is the longest podcast I've ever done. A podcast about podcasts about podcasts. So, that's it. And I have one last thing to tell you guys. I am starting a podcast with Aspasia when I come back. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I've done a million of these. Might as well add more. Um, Yeah, so when I come back in the fall, me and Aspasia are going to start a little podcast together. Um, We've got the main premise down. We tentatively are going to call it Kinks in the Hall. And... It's basically just going to be about Canadian comedy intersecting with Canadian femdom. (laughs) And uh, we're both super excited. We haven't really started anything on it yet. Uh, But you heard it here first. It only took you an hour and a half to get to that, that lovely announcement. So keep it secret. Keep it safe. I'm super excited. We'll probably have it here on Substack as well. And, um... Yeah, it's awesome. When I did the interview with Aspasia, and then we did the ones for her podcast, I just realized how much easier it is to talk to somebody else as opposed to just talk to yourself. And I was like, man, it'd be it'd be nice to talk to somebody else on a podcast, like a normal person, you know? Um, that, and also I get to, you know, hang out with Aspasia and pick her brain about stuff and hear her crazy ideas and you know, all this, all this good stuff. So look forward to that. I'll of course be promoting it on here. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for listening to, maybe you're a person who's listened to all hundred episodes, like a crazy person. That means you're just as crazy as I am. And I like that a lot. So, thank you for listening. I hope you guys are staying kinky. I will be on next week with um, an update about how my BC trip went. And maybe, who knows, maybe I'll have some little pictures of my feet in uh, the uh, the lake. The lovely mountainous lake that I am chilling upon. In the meantime, stay kinky, stay wiggly, and I will see you next Tuesday. Okay, bye.